Crime in Hollywood, the podcast. What does that even mean? I can't, I can't look around. Crime in Hollywood, the podcast. Well, here we go again. Why are you doing that? I don't even know what's happening. I'm just, it's hard not to watch. Look away. <laughs> now that's just weird. That is unfortunate. Crime in Hollywood, the podcast. Well, let's begin. And welcome to Crime in Hollywood. I am Patrick Michael. And of course, guys, we got some interesting news to talk about. We got some entertainment news to give you. And it's getting bizarre. It's getting bizarre here in the world of celebrity, okay? Throughout throughout this entire quarantine, we have we have seen stuff like the Imagine video. <laughs> we have seen um, other celebrities being taken down, such as Chris D'Elia. Uh, Brian Callen, what's his name, Hyde, from that 70s show. I mean, the the icons are crumbling, guys. They're going down. And today we're talking about a very specific icon. And we're talking about the toxic work environment that Ellen DeGeneres is apparently bringing to her job, to her, her, or to her show. Now, I guess you could call that a positive because we're talking about a bad work environment. We're not talking about, or at least not not yet, we're not specifically talking about the similar things that many other people are bringing to their work environment, whether it's Chris D'Elia or Brian Callen, right? And it's just so strange because I made this comment before, but it's so weird that it seemed like Growing up, what what you needed to ne- necessarily become a celebrity was good looks, you know, talent, and willingness to work hard. And nowadays, it's like, hey man, just have have a good hairline, decent teeth, and a good back history. Have not done anything unconsensual in your life because if you have done something unconsensual and you have became famous or gotten popular became well known they're gonna find out and they're gonna take you down so that's why I say when we talk about uh, Ellen and her simply having or possibly having or allegedly having a toxic work environment it's a little bit of a relief. It's a bit of a relief, right? Where we can be like, okay, well, hey, at least it's not sexual misconduct or rape, right? These are just disgruntled workers who are upset with the way that things are being run at a specific show. And I'm hearing a lot of comedians say things like, you know, she should just take off. You know, Ellen should just quit and move on. I mean, she's already got $400 million, right? There's no sense in in continuing 
to bring the people to show that they have because this is the thing if if you were to do something like that and just disappear you're not only hurting yourself in a lot of ways but you're you're telling all of your fans that it didn't mean shit it did it didn't mean anything that you are where you are because of them and i think that's more of a kick in the balls than anything not the fact that the show is just going to be gone but the fact that you're telling your fans that they don't mean anything even though if it was not for them <laughs> you wouldn't be where you are okay so you feel like there's certain obligations that have to be at least acknowledged to a certain degree but like I said when it comes to Ellen it's simply people saying that things aren't great and not maybe specifically because of her but because of people that work for her and that does play a huge part that does make a difference because essentially you are the face and much like anybody who is a manager or you know, leader, when something goes wrong or the people that work for you do something negative, it is on you to fix it, to make it better. As, as annoying as it is, that's just, that's facts. The issue could have nothing to do with you, but 100% it's your problem now. It's crazy. But we're going to look a, look through a couple of these articles so we can be up to date, uh, at least within the day of the information and the news that has came out about Ellen. Because before we get into that and the things that are happening now, I just got to say, man, you know, growing up, being a fan of stand-up comedy after the first moments that I saw, I, I would imagine it was either Jerry Seinfeld or like George Carlin that I first saw perform comedy on stage into a microphone I mean Richard Jenny's in there somewhere I can't remember who the exact first person was but it was definitely one of them but Ellen was definitely up there as well I remember seeing Ellen DeGeneres' special I don't even remember what it's called Here and Now I think or something and I believe it's her first stand-up special I actually bought it for my mother on one of her birthdays because she liked it so much and I wasn't mad that my mom would own it. That's pretty cool. Because I was a fan. She is a great comedian. That is undeniable. And I'll even say this. I, I watched her show. The television show that she had. I was a fan of that. A lot of great actors. But then also it's because during the time of Ellen, there was a lot of other television shows that were very similar. They were running the exact same way. Where it's like, oh, it's you know a single lady living in an apartment, and she has oddball friends. <laughs> so you're like, well, I mean, it could be any of these shows, but I do remember it. She used to wear like strange blazers and stuff. I don't even remember. I don't remember what her job was on the show, but I remember the show itself. And I've always been a fan of Ellen. I have had nothing bad to say about what she does on her show, the dancing and whatnot. A lot of people are making comments about the dancing. Like, that's the first thing that they go to. And, you know, it's like, at this point, who gives a shit? Like, that's part of her show. 
It's not as if she just <laughs> busts into dance willy-nilly. And if she did, that would be fine. But it's like every episode, you can expect dancing of some kind. So why even mention it? Okay, so it looks like the real foundation of this whole thing is that Ellen apparently trying to market all the things that she does under the concept of be kind. And this article comes from salon.com. And the headline is uh, from Melanie McFarlane. It says, the problem with Ellen DeGeneres is that she made be kind the unattainable goal of her, of her brand. And it says here, the next sentence is legitimately toxic work workplaces are awful and nothing new in Hollywood. But if Ellen weren't the queen of nice, would we care? Yeah, what? That's exact. I mean, yeah, maybe that's why. Like you're branding yourself as one thing and then doing the opposite. And that is, it's so weird that that's a reason for people to, you know, exercise this type of scrutiny. But hey, you know, do what you do. I mean, the employees are obviously coming out saying shit. That's why it got to where it is. And they ha they must have been doing it for a long time. And due to the fact that she is trying to be like the queen of nice, then it's, she's, yeah. It makes sense that they would be like, yeah, no, she's a fucking liar. She's not the queen of nice whatsoever. Here's this, this, and that that has, you know, pointed more to the fact that she isn't nice. But you also have to think about it as somebody who has worked a job. You know, anybody who's worked a job has most certainly at some point or another ran into a boss that they just weren't a fan of. But it's got to be weird when this, this person is not only your boss, but they are the face of the product that you help create. So there's a lot of pressure, I'm sure. But let's read a little bit into, more into this article here. It says, uh, think about it. When was the last time you had to be demonstratively kind for a sustained amount of time in public? Can you be kind to everyone who interacts with you on the worst day of your life? Can you smile and dance while you're being, while you're being dogged by rumors that you are actually, to quote one tweet that may have kicked off the daytime talk show host reputation plummet, Notori and I quote, notoriously one of the meanest people alive. That's just a hard paragraph. None of this is said to emphasize with the... Uh, okay, so it says here also that uh, July 16th, BuzzFeed and July 31st were the uh, initial stories of the workplace being toxic, uh, full of racism, sexism, sexual misconduct, and garden variety cruelty rumors. Um, the talk show host, not so niceness, were occasional blips a person stumbled across on Twitter. One of those chin scratchers to be shared as party gossip. And yeah, man, so many people are talking about this. So many people are mentioning it, but nobody has conclusive evidence. It's like, yeah, Ellen has even addressed it herself, but in this article, they're even saying, uh, the workplace was full of all these different things. But it doesn't point to any one thing. And that's what annoys me. That's where I'm a little annoyed. It's like, hey man, get that person. You know, let's target that person, those people. 
But like I said, due to the fact that she's the leader, she's the face, she's in charge, it all falls back on her. Because they believe that essentially it's her job to make sure that her workplace is run properly. I don't know. This is just an annoying article to even try to try to read through. So uh, another article from Gossip Cop on MSN says Ellen DeGeneres quitting the Ellen Show after 2022. Like I said, I mean, just do something else. Just leave the network. Fucking start doing movies or something. I don't know. And then. Ashton Kutcher and Jerry O'Connell coming forward. Other fans sticking up for her. But there's also rumors that because of the 15-year age gap. I don't know if it's because of it, but uh, Mama Mia on MSN.com says a 15-year age gap in divorce rumors inside Ellen DeGeneres' long marriage to Portia de Rossi. So, oh, hey, don't forget, guys, she's also 15 years older than her wife. Like, who gives a shit? Who cares? That matters when they're... If she was 25, you know, if if Portia was 15 and, you know, Ellen was dating her, like, that would be a thing. But who cares? They're fucking both old women. What are we... What? Why even put that there? Why throw that in there whatsoever? You're just trying to stir up more bullshit. Like, hey, guys... They might also get divorced, but don't forget, she's 15 years older. Like, just petty. Petty, man. Because you know there's going to be some random person out there that's going to take the 15-year age gap and fucking run with it. They're not going to give a shit about no divorce rumors or whether or not that matters to either one of them whatsoever. It's stupid. It's bizarre. But, I mean, truly, it, you would think that there's more things coming out about this and you would think they would be targeting some of the actual people like I've heard things about like an executive producer that worked on the show that was up to no good but if there's racism sexism and sexual misconduct why are those exact people not being targeted why just Ellen I mean at this point when it comes to crimes that's not how they work those are technically crimes hate crimes you know, uh, sexual misconduct, those are things that can be charged in the court of law. So why are we saying, hey, man, Ellen stinks? <laughs> like, what? I mean, all she can do is be like, yeah, it was Jeff. Jeff's probably one of the guys. Let's get everybody, let's get an investigator in here and have them question. Why? I mean, and then she's also like, also, I'm going to quit the show in two years. Like, yeah, I mean, probably there's a good chance you were going to do that anyways, regardless of this. But she could have also said 2022, you know, and it not pertain to the situation. She could have just been like, yeah, I'm out of here 2022. And she said that in 2017. Everything's got an end date.
Alright, so that is my spiel on uh, Ellen. I know everybody else is talking about it. I figured it only made sense for this this specific podcast. But anyways, I do want to throw this out there for you guys that are looking for entertainment. I know I got some female listeners out there. I've been watching this show, and it is some of the greatest television I have ever seen. And I heard about it a, a while ago. It's only got three seasons, but specifically the network that it comes from is giving some quality entertainment. Not just this show, not just this series, but so many more. And what I'm watching is Love After Lockup, and it's on WeTV, which I guess is women's entertainment. But let me tell you, holy cow, I am burning through it, okay? In fact... I'm actually listening to it in a in a tiny earbud <laughs> while while I do the podcast. So, as strange as it sounds, I do have the ability to absorb that much information. And who knows, maybe maybe the podcast I'll listen to it back and find out that I was simply repeating what they said on the show. That would be kind of funny. But uh the reason I want to bring it up and it's not just because I'm watching it, but everybody else has checked it out, and they've said how good it is, and I remember watching the first episode, the pilot episode, a while back, and it was right before I started watching 90 Day Fiance, and I feel like people's infatuation with this shit is, it's like, hey man, I'm doing so much better than this, right? That's the general concept. It's no different to me than watching... Uh, Wipeout or American Ninja Warrior, Ultimate Beastmaster, just any real sh- NASCAR, any show or, or sport or a, a reality thing where some person is going to fail. <laughs> and this is interesting because you're seeing these people that are, the second season much better than the first, 100%. But what's interesting is when you see these guys come out and essentially get married very quickly. But right after the first season, as you continue watching, by the second season, you can already start to tell by personalities what relationships are legit. Who's going to last? Who's going to stick around? And This season is rough, guys. It is rough, but it is quality television. It is so fun to watch. I'm having a great time. And what's so cool is the first season was only seven episodes, and you think, well, because there's like a kind of an update on the last episode, but it's just words. It doesn't show what's happening. And you're under the assumption that that's just it. You don't see those that couple or those <laughs> those people again. But that's not true. In the second season, you get updated and you see further into some of the first season relationships that actually lasted or didn't come to fruition where the inmate came home. So here we are. Here we are where they are showing specifically the one lady, Liz, who has taken this guy for $90,000 the whole time that she's in there. I think for four years. I don't know. 
he's been supporting her in prison for a long time, and she didn't get out in the first season, but she's out in the second season, and the daughter has now came in the picture, and she doesn't like that Scott has given all of this money to Liz. I don't know. It's just fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch, and you start to really become interested and invested in these people's lives. So I, I definitely recommend it. Check it out. Enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. But until next time, this has been Crime in Hollywood.